just a few moments, I'm going to read you a few verses from the Gospel of Mark. But before I do that, think about this. Let's think about this together for a few moments. What, what's the loudest voice in your life? You think back through this past week, what voices did you hear? Did you hear voices of encouragement? Did you hear voices of discouragement? Did you hear a voice of, of hope? What about the voice that's going on inside? Are they hypercritical? Did you hear from yourself all week long that you're no good, that whatever you're doing is a, a waste of time and how you're living out your calling is of no use? Or does that, was that internal voice like hyper-affirming, relentlessly hyper-affirming, like all week long you just heard yourself say, treat yourself. <laughs> if everybody would just listen to me, everything would be great. Are those the voices that you heard? Friends, God's word and what God says is the most important voice in our lives. Hear this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Being united to Jesus means the words that belong to Christ belong to us. And that's worth singing about and praising God. I'd love to look with you this morning in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can turn there. It should also be on the screen and it's in your bulletin. I want to read to you verses 15 through 21. So this is continuing on in this section of chapter 5 that John Paul's started us off with last week. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, uh, this is the Word of God. You can bank your entire life on what I'm about to read to you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, your word, our lives, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you a story from the life of Christ. One of the richest things that you can do is realize more and more about how much of a human being Jesus was. He not only was divine, but he was a real human being. And an understanding that Jesus is a real human being can dramatically affect how you look at the stories that we have recorded for us in the gospel accounts. I want to tell you one story. There was a day in which Jesus uh, sent out about 70 of his disciples. 
And he sent them out into villages, and he sent them out to talk to other people about the kingdom of God, and to talk to them about the good news of Christ. And sometime later, these 70 disciples came back to Jesus to report about what had happened. You can read about this in Luke chapter 10. And they were really excited about what had happened. I mean, they had, uh, um, by God's power, uh, healed people. They had been declaring God's truth. People were receiving what they were saying. They were absolutely overwhelmed with what had happened once Jesus sent them out. And Jesus addressed that about them and said, hey, you might be so excited that these people were learning from you and that you were able to do this because of my power and on and on, but you really need to be thankful that your names are written in the book of life, that your names are written in heaven. They were all excited about all these results. And Jesus tells them point blank, what's greater than any of that? What's greater than any power that God used through you to heal people? What's greater than that is that your name is written in heaven. Now, right after that, Jesus was struck in his heart with joy because of the Holy Spirit. And he began to exclaim. He cried out to the Father and said, Father, I thank you that you have not revealed these things, meaning the message of the gospel, grace, all this kind of stuff, that you have not revealed these things to people that are intelligent, to people that have power, to kings, to prophets, on and on and on, but you have revealed your message to children. See, what was going on in Jesus' mind, he was struck with the reality of grace. He was struck in fresh ways with new understanding of the message of God and his kingdom. And there, there's no doubt that Jesus also was growing in his own understanding of what it meant that he would be the agent of grace for the world. But he was overwhelmed with this message. It was like it dawned on him in brand new ways that that the message of Christianity, his message, the message of God, the message of the Bible is not if you're just a really good person, God will accept you. Or if you have a lot of power, if you have a lot of influence, or if you're really, really smart, then you'll get this Christian message. It's not that at all. Jesus was struck with the truth of God's message, the message of salvation, the message of the Bible is for people who are like children. They're, they're weak and they're helpless. And they're dependent, and they, at least at times, realize their dependence. Jesus was overwhelmed with that fresh understanding. Now, I tell you this story because Jesus' own life, and the story I just told you, illustrates the whole point of Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. That story in Luke 10 is the embodiment of these words that I read and that we read together in 15 through 21. The whole point of these verses, 15 through 21, is this. Be filled with the Spirit. That's what I want you to take away. That's what I want to dive down into and explore in these verses. That's the whole point of these verses. And Jesus' own life illustrates this. Be filled with the Spirit. If you're here this morning, 
Be filled with the Spirit. If you don't know the Lord Jesus yet as your Savior, be filled with the Spirit. If you've known Christ for a long time, be filled with the Spirit. This whole text is inviting us to live a life after Christ, to be full of the Spirit. Look at verse 18. You'll see it's a flat-out command. The last part of verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. It's really interesting because the way this command is written is that we are supposed to be passive. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But here you have a clear command. God wants us to do something. So all of us that are looking for something to do, here it is. Be passive. Meaning, desire to receive the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Deeply desire to be acted on by the Holy Spirit. Yield to him. Be ruled by him. Be filled with him. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the command. That as we live our lives every day, day in and day out, no matter what we're doing, that we want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We want him to fill us every day and in everything that's going on. That's a lot different than a command that says, here's what you need to do, now go do it, right? This command is saying, have a growing desire for God to act on you. Have a growing desire for God to have more and more control over your life. Desire in new ways and in new areas of your life for something to be done in you and to you by God. You see, this whole command is just reminding us that God wants to change our inside. And then that will lead to the outward change. So we have to continue to want our insides to be changed, how we think, what we desire, what's going on in the deepest part of our being, which is our hearts, our souls, that we want that to be changed. By the way, Paul's touched on this before. If you read back through this letter, Paul has actually prayed that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Remember, he's already been praying that for us. Now he's wanting us, he's telling us to do something, and he's saying, want that. Want that. Want to be filled by God. This is just another way of God showing us what it means to walk in the light. Do you remember this from last week? You have light and darkness. God's continuing to say, this is what it looks like to walk in the light. To walk in the light means that we are filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what adds a little depth to this command. Look at verses 19 through 21, because 18 through 21 is actually an entire sentence together, one long sentence. So these words that come out of of, uh, verse 18 and 19, 20, and 21 all flow out of this command. Here's what it says. Look at these verses, 19 through 21, addressing one another. Toward the end of 19, singing. Verse 20, giving thanks. Verse 21, submitting. You see, these are all the results of the command to be filled by the Holy Spirit. 
If we are being filled by the Holy Spirit, then what happens is we will address one another or talk with one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If we are being filled by the Spirit, then we will delight to talk to other people and share with them music, songs about God. There's a sense of joy that's going on because whenever something happens in your life that you really enjoy, a song probably comes to mind. There are a lot of songs that are written because of, not certainly because of pain, but there are a lot of songs that are written because of joy. Paul is saying this is what it looks like to be filled by God, that we talk to one another about praising God, that we talk to one another about our life experience, that we talk to one another about what God is doing, and we are thankful for who he is and what he is showing us and how he's leading and how he's providing, how he's answering prayer. Not only that, not only are we addressing one another, but we're also singing. Not only that, but we're also giving thanks. Not only that, but we're submitting, meaning that we ought to live lives that others can see we're thankful. If we're filled by the Spirit, then we have a disposition, an ongoing disposition that we are thankful. That the reality of God's forgiving us of our sins and the reality that God is our God and that he loves us in Christ, the reality that God has some plan for the world to reunite all things in heaven and earth in Jesus, that that results in us being thankful and that people can tell, that people know that we are a people that love to give thanks. Maybe the strange part of this command is in verse 21 with submitting. We don't really think about this very much. To be full of the Spirit is not only to talk to other people, it's not only to sing and make melody in our hearts, it's not only to be thankful, which really makes us think about, am I a thankful person? When people look at me and they, they meet me or talk with me, do they get a sense that I'm thankful? But the one that we might not be expecting is submitting. If the Spirit is at work in your life, if the Spirit is at work in my life, I will submit to you. There will be a mutual submission. When the Hubers joined the church this morning, they evidenced one application of that. They submitted themselves to the church, to us. To Jesus. You see, being filled by the Spirit means that we crave authority. I mean, to to put all this together, to be filled by the Spirit means that we are a people who pursue other people, that we are a people who have a disposition of being thankful, that we are a people who know how to submit to one another, that we are a people that don't mind being under authority. To be filled with the Spirit and have no authority, no spiritual authority, accountability in your life, something is not right. To be full of the Spirit means that we're under authority. We're under spiritual authority. We're under the authority and submitting to one another, other believers. It's so important. Oftentimes, if I'm honest with you, I have a tendency to think, well, the Holy Spirit typically means I just get to do what I want and I'm just free and without accountability, right? That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what God is teaching us. 
And what he does is he gives us a reference point to understand this. See, the first part of verse 18 says, but do not get drunk or do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery. In saying be filled with the Spirit, he's giving us a reference point that all of us can perhaps relate to in one way or another to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This has an immediate reference point for those that first heard this message in Ephesus. John Paul's brought this out when he uh, started off the series talking about Acts 18 and 19 and 20 where the church in Ephesus was planted and started, and he's referred to it a couple other times. In the town in which this church was planted, in the surrounding areas where churches were further planted and built up, there was a practice, a common practice for people to get together and have drunken orgies. It was common. It was a thing. It was a popular thing that people did. So by Paul saying, don't become drunk with wine, which is debauchery, he was immediately identifying with where they were living. And even more than that, there were those in the church in Ephesus and the surrounding churches who came out of that. So they knew by their and through their own personal experience what it was like to be drunk with alcohol, which is debauchery, so that we could understand what it means to be full of the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. Do you ever remember being drunk? Have you ever been drunk? If you have, do you remember what that was like? And if you've never been drunk before, have you ever been around people who have been drunk? I think my first exposure to being around someone who was uh, inebriated was when we lived in Virginia and our next door neighbor, um, our next door neighbor really struggled with alcohol. Um, most of my memories of her, which are a pretty good number of memories, she was always, she was always drunk. And she would walk around our street most of the time uh, with uh, half of her clothes on and she would just go in people's houses. And she ended up going in our house a number of times, which the older I get, the more I think about, the more I wonder, why did my parents just leave our front door unlocked? And then it dawned on me, they were trying to help. She would walk into our house and uh, she would just wander around our house. And there were times in which, when you walked in the front door of our house, we had like 21 stairs that went up to the second floor. And I remember distinct times in which she would walk upstairs to go into the kitchen and she would come back to the stairs and she would fall all the way down those stairs and slam into our front door. And I remember dad calling me and my brother, Dave, come help, John, come help. And we would help her up and we'd put her on the couch and she would fall asleep. Um, she did a lot of things that she, without question, doesn't even remember. And there were those in the neighborhood who were trying to help. Her husband had a government job, and so he couldn't always just, I mean, a commute was an hour and a half, you know? So there was something that had to be done before he could get home to help. Anyway, maybe you've had similar experiences. Maybe you've been there yourself, in which you know what it's like to be drunk. You see, what happens when you consume too much alcohol? What happens when we get drunk is that this is what 
occurs. Alcohol reduces our inhibitions. That's why it's called liquid courage. It reduces our inhibitions and it makes us think that we are smarter than we think we are and we can do things. It makes us think that we can be uber brave. For some of us, it probably also has the added bonus of making us happier. And what happens when we have our inhibitions reduced? When we get really brave and think that we have all kinds of courage, we can have a tendency to, I don't know, depending on how drunk you are, not know where you are, not know where you need to be. Maybe even you have had these experiences and where you wake up and not sure how you got there. Oftentimes it can result in us trying to do things that we can't do and shouldn't do. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm positive that you can Google on YouTube, you can enter on YouTube drunk fails and you will see amazing things of what people think they can do when they're drunk. And Paul says what happens when we get drunk, he says it's debauchery. That's a word that just means wasting. It's a word that means squandering our lives, wasting our lives. Some of the older translations have this idea of dissipation, meaning like you're just spilling out all that you are. Literally like exhausting the innermost part of your being and in doing this. It's actually used in the story of the father that had two sons. And he got the father's inheritance and went out and wasted his life with this kind of living. Meaning it was absolutely exhausting. You end up not knowing who you are. You're not knowing where you are or why you're there or how you got there. It is just exhausting. That's what happens when we get controlled by alcohol. It is exhausting. And Paul says, don't be filled with alcohol, don't be drunk with alcohol, but with the Spirit. Have you noticed yet that we haven't talked about verses 15 through 17? We haven't. That's because they fit perfectly here. It makes sense of the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This, is help, this helps us put everything together, verse 15 and seven, through 17 do. You see, when we're drunk, we don't know where we are or where we need to be. But by the Holy Spirit, look at verse 15. We are watching carefully over our lives and over our walk. We're actually thinking about our lives carefully. We're thinking about the totality of our lives, not, this, not just this particular moment, but our entire walk, all that we are, all of our responsibilities, what's happened in the past, what's happening in the future. That is the totality of our walk. So rather than not knowing, if we're filled by the Spirit, we are looking carefully at how we are living. We're thinking about what has happened in the past and what will happen in the future. We're thinking through our decisions and the implications of those decisions. Not only that, we're thinking about time and how to redeem the time. Because we realize that time is a gift. 
that all that we have and all that we are is gift. And so, to live our lives means that we live thankful lives by acting as if everything is gift. Thinking through how we are living. Being careful. Realizing that the entirety of our lives uh, the entirety of our lives is integrated. What we say, we live out. When we don't, we repent and confess. We hear God's forgiveness. And we turn from things and put on other things. Because we are refreshed with who God is for us. It means that we're living with intentionality. It means that we're aware that our life is short and that eternity is to come. It means that we want to look outside of ourselves for wisdom. Did you notice what it says? Not as unwise, but wise. Verse 15. Making the best use of time. So it's not only looking carefully about the totality of our walk because time is gift, it's actually wanting wisdom and craving wisdom, meaning that we need help from other people. When was the last time you asked for help? How have you asked for help? Most of us have a tendency to think, if I follow God, I don't really need help. The reality is to be full of the Spirit is to realize we need help more and more in our lives. That we need input from others speaking into our lives, which again assumes relationship. It assumes being with one another, submitting with one another, submitting to one another. Even more than that, we're not doing our own thing but we're seeking the will of God and what he wants for us, which means we are growing in our understanding of his word and his truth. So as we walk carefully and think about the totality of our walk because our days are numbered, seeking input from other people, all so that we can follow the Lord, so that we can follow God. So what he tells us to do, by his grace, we want to do it. So that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're doing everything for him. You see, being drunk means we get bold and confident and happy by losing touch with reality, by reality being inhibited in some way. But what the Spirit does is the Spirit makes us thankful so that we can live holistic lives seeking wisdom, not by losing touch with reality, but by having a heightened awareness of it. Awareness of it. That the Spirit makes us more aware of what is going on. So that we have insight into what's happening in our lives and other people's lives. So to be full of the Spirit, means we have a clearer and truer sense of what is real and what is true. We have a sense that God is there, that he's in control, that he's given us everything in Jesus, that no sin is a match for his grace. There's no circumstance that is beyond his particular care and ability to meet us where we are. God is with us through everything. 
And instead of being paralyzed in our lives about, well, did I do the right thing or did I not do the right thing or what should I do here? What should I do there? What do I do with my children? What do I do with my job? What do I do with my neighbors? What do I do for the future? What do I do with my retirement? What do I do with all these things? Instead of being caught up with all those little questions about, was this the right thing? Was that the right thing? We actually are learning to live humble lives that are patient, bearing with one another, forgiving in all things, doing everything in love. You see, that's how Paul started this whole section in chapter 4. So that when you parent, you know how we need a parent? With all gentleness and humility and patience, bearing with one another. You know how we're supposed to fulfill our careers? With all humility and gentleness, forgiving, pursuing everything in love. You know how we're supposed to live in the world? With all gentleness and humility and forgiveness, being willing to bear with one another all in love. See, God really wants the gospel to go deep into us so that it affects the way in which we do everything. Not just looking to him to tell us the five things we're supposed to do, but to change our hearts and our desires for how we live and how we view everything. Remember the story of Jesus that I started with? Let's widen that lens. That was just one story in Luke chapter 10. Really, Jesus' whole life illustrates this passage. You see, life with the Spirit begins by being convinced of the Father's approval. This is my beloved Son. In Him I am well pleased. Immediately then, the Spirit drives us into life. That's what He did with Jesus. And in that life that Jesus lived, he was seeking the good of others. He was seeking to do for others what they couldn't do for themselves. He was submitting to people, not only to his sinful parents, take that in. He submitted himself to the will of God throughout his whole life. Jesus was led by the Spirit and full of the Spirit, and that helped him face temptation. It enabled him to build relationships so that he had give and take with those that he was in relationship with. He loved and was loved by them. Being filled with the Spirit led Jesus to obey in everything throughout the totality of his life. It enabled him to live a life in which when people betrayed him, he could even submit that to God. He was so full of the Spirit that he could endure suffering, even to the point of the cross and death. And then he was raised to new life, just like we will be too. You see, the life with the Spirit and being full of the Spirit enables us to live like Christ, to seek the good of others, to fulfill the will of God, and to seek his glory, not our own. That's why Jesus is what brings us together in our relationships. This is why we have the greatest reason to give thanks, because of Christ and what he has done. This is why the good word that we shared with one another, it's about Jesus. This is why the new song that we have to sing, 
is about Jesus. This is why we have wisdom, because Jesus has made our wisdom. He gives us the ability to submit. To be filled by the Spirit is to be full of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this command to be full of the Spirit, which means that we are to be full of Christ. So help us to look to Jesus, not only for forgiveness and righteousness and a standing before you, but help us to look to him to see how our lives are going to take shape so that we can face temptation as he did, trusting in him, so we can love others, even enemies, because he loved his enemies. Help us to do everything in love, because that's how Jesus has lived his life. We pray all of this, Holy Spirit, asking that you would continue to act on us, change us, drive the truth deep down into us, that we might reflect your glory and live for it forever. Amen.